Do it. Do it. Welcome to the Austin Otaku Podcast, hosted by Jesse McDonald and Keith Goode. Welcome back to the Austin Otaku Podcast, everyone. My name is Jesse McDonald, and joined yet again by the redneck enigma, Keith Goode. Keith, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing yeehaw. <laughs> I'm really proud of Redneck Enigma, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it is a, I, I should note that um, I am not at all like I was as a kid. Uh, we had a horse ranch when I was growing up in, deep in the mountains of North Carolina. I ch- I was chewing tobacco by the time I was six years old. So <laughs> As one does. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding you there. So I had my cowboy boots, uh, chewing tobacco. And then at one point I got bucked off of a horse. I swallowed my chewing tobacco and oh. I never touched the stuff again. So. I feel like it was almost like that scene at the in the Sandlot where they all they all take <laughs> yes. chewing and tobacco. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to big league chew because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to worse. It was terrible. Oh man! So absolutely doing well. How about yourself? Uh, yeah. I don't know what I should call you since you're from Mississippi. I mean, you know, the I'm, I'm truly the redneck enigma. You you are the succeeder right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're succeeding. I got out. I got out. I stayed. <laughs> out before they tried to get out <laughs> good god there's uh, such an embarrassment i hate saying i'm from there yes but hey look look where you are today and you're on this wonderful podcast you're working for ibm at fantastic Indeed. and i should say oh. before uh, we get started on our our episode today uh listeners should if they want to subscribe to us on any of the podcast platforms rate us and comment and that will greatly help us tremendously like and subscribe. Like Peace and sign. subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to do that self-promotional stuff. I will say this, though. I did put together and will probably release this weekend a Tell Me Something Good page on our website Ooh, with like links it. to links to most of the available stuff that's uh, on Amazon uh, that we can link to. A lot of the stuff that has been recommended has, you know, it's like obscure and you got to go find a collector or something, you know. Uh, yeah. not really. <laughs> Maybe we can get some eBay affiliate links. We'll see. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> well, very excited for this week's guest. Uh, this is someone that you and I met earlier in the year and, uh, have, have become very good friends with, I would say. Our guest this week is Jarrett Thomas, senior account executive at iPool Rank. He's been in digital marketing for nearly 10 years with experience at companies like Cannes Lions Festival the Halo Group, Scribble Live, and TalkWalker. Currently, in addition to his work as an account executive, he hosts iPollRank's Rankable podcast, which I actually had the honor of being a guest on back in June. He grew up in the Bronx and loves fishing and plays basketball and video games in his spare time. Additionally, he's a recording artist. He not only writes and performs his own raps, he writes songs for others. In 2014, he was part of a group that won an award for Best Underground Rap Group in the U.S., Welcome to the show, Jarrett Thomas. Thank you. Thank you for the intro, man. That was, damn, that's a lot to live up to, man. <laughs> but uh, thank you. At this point with intros, I'm just happy I read them out loud very well. Not a skill that I have. <laughs> but yeah, truly, thank you for being on the show, man. It's uh, like like we were saying earlier, It's it, we've gotten to know you over the last year, and it's it's been really cool. Uh, 
you're, you're a good guy. So it's good knowing another good guy in the industry. Yeah, I, I, I think we met probably at the very last in-person conference that any of us, most of us have been to this year. Um, so that's, that was quite a, a challenge, right? You know, that definitely was a challenge. Nobody saw what was coming in three weeks later, <laughs> 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 but I, I'm glad we, we had a blast that that was a, that was a great conference, man. We had some, mm-hmm. we had some good time, man. What was the, the restaurant we was in the day before, man, that we had a good time in the barbecue spot? Oh, Black's, oh, yeah, Black's barbecue. Yeah. Oh man. Our, Terry all... Black's barbecue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I was going to say Terry Black's not to be yeah. confused with Black's. Yeah. yeah you, you, that is, a, that is an entire family endeavor. So you can't just say Black's barbecue because they'll, people will go which one <laughs> and if i remember correctly they all hate each other really perfect i believe perfect. so that makes sense <laughs> so Jarrett, uh for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you man tell tell us a little bit about yourself both personally and professionally yeah absolutely so you guys hit the nail on the head so i've, I've been in the industry for about 10 years um doing everything from seo to SaaS platforms i was a vp at an agency at 25 um just overall good sales dude i've been doing that for quite some time had no clue that i was going to be in sales never said hey this is what i'm going to aspire to be it just sales just kind of fell in my lap and you know some of the traits like you know relationship building and just just wanting more man just just always being a hustler in my life man and just went to strive for more, got me to where I am. I'm a father of two kids. Shout out to Jameer and Case. Love you guys. And my beautiful wife, Jessie. Um, you know. Not me. <laughs> not not, not Jessie. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But that, that's it, really, man. If I'm not... Right. I feel like since the COVID's happened, man, all I've been doing is work. I have no time for extra curricular activities, man. If, if I get a if I get a two K game, and I'm doing good, man. Nice, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, some, someone made the point the other day at work that we basically, you know, it it, it went from working from home to basically living at work. Yeah. <laughs> is what we do. That's a great point. I love that. For companies that are very fortunate to still be around right now and doing decent, this yeah. is perfect for them because employees especially like on our side where it's very much there's a a big group of people that are into the hustle culture they're really benefiting from this man, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Imagine. and then really losing out on people like me and keith that turn off at five but <laughs> well, have you guys I'm, I'm curious have you guys been taken off since you've been in the pandemic i might have taken off like maybe two days since mm, man so you're talking it's to the little... wrong guy. <laughs> Keith never takes off. Even before, he never took off. They, usually at the end of the year, our manager has to force him to take days it's off. True. Oh, it's true. It's true. So that's just how Keith over days. Keith, come on, man. <laughs> hey, I had my paternity leave, came back, and then was like, well, I kind of feel bad. I've been off for 12 weeks. I don't really want to take much, so I've taken like a day or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 of course, we're, we're getting sort of forced – um, to, to take time off towards the holidays simply because the, the, uh, the VP has discovered there's some issues with work-life balance. And so he's decided yeah. that, you know, we, we will need to do this or we'll drive ourselves crazy. And so, yeah. Shout out in a couple of free days. Out, so it's kind of cool. Shout out yeah. to that man for understanding. Totally. <laughs> it, it happens. Sure, it sure beats disciplining us to get better work-life balance. And, you know, yeah, that's true. The beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that happens, but not all the time. <laughs> so when we started talking about having you on the show and started talking about, you know, what exactly you you do in your free time that you wanted to talk about, one of the first things that you listed out was fishing, which I think most people would say is probably one of the more relaxing pastimes that a person can have. 
Uh, so yeah, the, what what's up with fishing? Like, why fishing? Why did you get into fishing? To be honest with you, man, I, I when I was young, my father's an excellent fisherman, so he's taught me everything I know about fishing. He would bring me to the piers. He would take me to City Island. We go on the boats, man. Every weekend, I went to go play basketball. He's like, Jared, you're coming with me. So <laughs> as, as a young kid, man, I'm like, oh man, I didn't like it. But once you turn 18 and 21, man, and I could drink a cold one, and I could just yep. sit there, and then with the pole goes, man. Then now we're getting these exciting times and. That, that's what I love about it, man. To be honest with you, just being able to, to, to relax my pops, man. That's what I love about uh, it. I dig it. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's the best thing, man. I'm fortunate to have both parents still here, man. My pops is a big influence in my life. And just being able to just be real with him, man, just share some laughs. And, you know, now I see my son. He's like, Dad, I want to play basketball. No, you're staying here. <laughs> you know, listen to me and granddad's talk. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Now, I'm assuming you're not you're not fishing on the Hudson side of the of the island there. No, you're, the FDR. Uh... FDR, but it's like, oh man, it's, they all connect and it's all nasty. I wouldn't advise feeding it. Maybe I'm not sure, but it's like, oh man, we usually catch stripers. We, I think the biggest I've caught is a 60 pound stripe bass. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll send you guys the picture, man. It's crazy. If you guys want to have like nuts. the, oh, it's crazy. 60 pounder. And we have to gaff it. It's like a 10 foot gap between the water and the ledge. So mm. we have to gaff it, hold on somebody, making sure he's tied <laughs> up to the rail, and then pull that thing up manually. Oh, that's nuts, man crazy <laughs> 60 pounds crazy. 60 pounds man it, that fish was massive massive mm. it took about two three hours to pull in and about four beers mm. <laughs> <laughs> the more beers you're having the longer the time to reel in seems to be going it's crazy in, it, my, ex make sense. in, in my experience with fishing the, the more beers you have the bigger the fish get too in fact oh is absolutely that, is that true oh absolutely <laughs> so this was in the whales this was in this was in fact a twenty pound fish, but it was sixty pounds after four beers, right? Yeah, I might have lost sixty pounds bringing it. <laughs> oh man! No light beers were consumed on that day. No, no white claws there. No. <laughs> I would love to see a human being roll up to go fishing with a ton of white claws. I know a few dudes that would probably do that, oh. and I'm I'm super into it. I'm all about that. No, everyone that fishes yet, make it man. happen move to white claw <laughs> i have not tried my, my bro my brother's trying to eat my man sean sean fitzpatrick he's trying to get me on the white claws we had like a i think it was the fight party or nba finals party he brought about a 12 pack of white clothes what the hell is this man did your girl, <laughs> did your girl buy this for you what are you doing <laughs> dude okay we have a <laughs> we have a co-worker that's become a hard seltzer aficionado like mm -hmm. seriously tried them all he has ratings for all of them it's what? nuts we would go golfing uh before pandemic started and he would pull up with like a 15 pack of white claws and we would tear through them and just be tanked by the end of the mm -hmm. probably 10th hole yeah. oh, so man. front nine you're toasted back nine you're just gone you're gone we're just there um, yeah. man, I haven't been golfing in so long, man. I would love to. <laughs> I'm watching the Masters currently on my TV back here and am really envious of all these people out there golfing. Mm. Well, <laughs> what's, the, what's the best um, course you ever played at? Or like See, I'm, I'm new to golf. I started literally last December, um, played for the very first time, and then that turned into go every week, um, okay. multiple times a week to the driving range and maybe play a course here and there there's actually one right next to my house that we went to a bunch oh, um but by the time that the kiddo was born and pandemic was in full swing golf wasn't wasn't happening so now it's just a matter of my wife and i are sitting back like okay once this is good to go we're getting back into this because so. mm -hmm. she got right into now. golf while she was pregnant oh mm. really wow yeah. that's sick yeah big time like was at the driving range we went and played a few rounds 
pregnant as hell. <laughs> like just mega pregnant. I even asked our doctor, like, is this okay? And they're like, no, it's actually probably pretty good because you're getting that swinging motion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and the kiddo likes to be swung like that. So, <laughs> that's crazy. You said that, man. I, I think all my wifey had me doing it when she was pregnant, which is going back and forth to the store, the weird food <laughs> combinations at one o'clock. I'm like, what the hell? See, my wife already <laughs> likes weird food combinations. So that wasn't different for us. Uh, it, the, it, she played golf. She played a lot of golf. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> An inverted weird pregnancy. That's fantastic. Well, you never know. Your daughter might grow up and be a uh, future LPGA uh, tournament champion. Oh, that would be great. That, that would be awesome. great. See, everyone started pulling the, oh, kid's going to be born. You know, you're, you'll never golf again. Like, she can come with me. We'll mm -hmm. see what sure. happens. I, I went sure. with my... I went with my mom to the golf course. I don't know how many times. Uh, and I, I haven't actually played these courses, but I have been on Pinehurst, Pine Needles, a bunch of the uh, famous golf courses in North Carolina and Myrtle Beach, uh, for that matter. So, wow. And it actually turns out that I have a decent uh, golf swing. <laughs> you really do. So he came out with us a couple of times and he didn't play, but he kind of just hung out with us. Mm -hmm. And every now and then it'd be like, here, Keith, you, give it a swing. It's not like we're a municipal court. They don't care anyway. Yeah. He ripped the hell out of that thing. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there you go man must be genetic <laughs> yeah Keith's uh Keith's shooting bombs with his his swing man it's great yeah gotta you gotta have a good swing for corporate man gotta be never know we gotta pull it out <laughs> see that's what we were trying to do you never know. Our, our buddy that was in the office with us he was a big golfer so he he ended up he went to a different company at the beginning of the pandemic but it was like how can we get in some of these IBM golf tournaments like mm -hmm. surely they need someone at least somewhat decent to to schmooze with people so exactly. we never got anywhere pandemic happened yeah yeah they said uh we do and don't call me Shirley. that's what they said <laughs> <laughs> so that as we were speaking of this this reminded me of something with fishing so as i was mentioning my wife and i both play golf together another mm -hmm. thing that's somewhat unusual in a relationship she actually really enjoys fishing but in a very unconventional way. So I wanted to get your opinion on this. Okay. When we So we used to live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, as mentioning earlier, and you and I have even talked about. Uh, and through that, we would go wade fishing out on the beach. And if you know anything about the Mississippi Gulf Coast, it's, it's surrounded by barrier islands, so the water doesn't move back. So the water's just nasty as hell. Wow. Um, so basically anything you catch, you probably don't want to keep anyway. So we just did it for fun. Because of that... We had two methods. I would use chicken livers as bait if I wasn't using lures because I wanted to stay active the whole time. Yeah. She used gummy worms and swears by them. What are cool. your thoughts, sir? I've never heard anybody use gummy worms. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she caught the monster, didn't she? <laughs> uh, usually she was the one catching stuff, for sure. Oh, man. I've never used it. I've never tried it. I'm always the, the live earthworm dude. Yeah. I used to be terrified of those things. Pops at six years old, you better touch that damn thing and put it on there and show <laughs> me all of it, man. So that I'm, I'm used to that. We use What we use is bonker a lot, too, because we go for bluefish and the stripers. So bonkers usually what we use, um, the worms. It all depends on what we're looking for. Like, it's either those two fish. We do porgies. Blackfish is really big right now. Sea robins. Those, that's good eating, too, man. Sea robins are really good eating. Mm. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, man. But the gummies, I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to <laughs> let you know. I'm going to send you a picture, brother. I was going to say, <laughs> shoot me a text because this is the great debate. And I mean, obviously, I'm throwing that out to some people back home who were like, no. 
No, yeah. gummy worms not a thing. But well, obviously, these dudes that? go deep sea fishing, so. I- I can't imagine the fish looking at the gummy worm going, well, that looks high, high in calories. I should eat that so right. I, you know, I can I mean, bulk up. it's like a normal lure, realistically. True. Right. It is true. Watching my yeah. sugar intake this month. I can't do that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, be considerate. Get the sugar-free gummy worm. But, true, I mean, true. you're catching 60 pounders. I don't think they give a shit. I mean, if, oh, if no, you're tossing them back, you don't want to negatively impact a diabetic fish. I mean, come on. Yeah, totally. Well, we have some <laughs> class here, people. Baby. Right, <laughs> have a heart. Have yeah. a heart. There's no you know, need to be rude. We used to do, uh, uh, and of course you're not supposed to eat these, and we didn't. Of course, we used to do these carp fishing tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my father, and he would take this just uh, obnoxiously bad smelling concoction that he made at home over the two weeks prior to this tournament. It, it included beer. Uh, some sort of bird feed and some other sort of like Ugh. weird things that he would let sit for the two weeks and just sort of ferment yeah. uh, during that time. And then they would create these hard balls of dough that we would then put on the hooks, throw it <laughs> into the carp lake and the carp would just eat it up like crazy. And so I remember we used to go and the tournaments would go from 8 p.m. at night until eight in the morning. Right. Um, and of course, everybody had tents and, you know, we'd throw our our uh, bait out into the water and, you know, wait and just basically wait until the carp discovered them. And I remember we won two or three of these carp tournaments and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, anything to sneeze at. I mean, these were, you know, of course this is like the eighties and it was $200 in winnings uh, for these, these tournaments. So take it, man, for a good, for a fun day, man, you can't beat that. (laughs) Well, fun night. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad for making some uh, fermented uh, oatmeal to throw into a, Oh, it smelled so bad. I was like, dad, I'm not putting that on the hook. You, you do it. I'm, I'm not touching yeah. it because you, you'd, you'd open the 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 uh, the the barrel that it was in and mm-hmm. just immediately just retch. <laughs> so bad. My my buddy's grandfather, who's the one that took me out fishing for the first time. My dad wasn't a big fisher. Uh, he did some hunting as a kid, but it was just more of a that's what his dad did. So he did it. He didn't particularly enjoy it. So that never became a thing in my life. So my friend, the grandfather, took me fishing for the first time, and he used to get hollowed-out lures and stuff them with blood cheese. Mm. So gross. It's the nastiest crap ever. <laughs> I stuck with the livers and you know, worms sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yes. Particularly noxious uh, elements that somehow or another the fish are able to pick up on uh, in, in the water. So Right. I assume if they smell bad in the air, they must... Uh, uh, whatever senses the fish use, uh, it must sort of hit those quite well. That smells like a T-bone steak down there, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially with the water you're you're fishing in, it has to smell great oh, comparatively. Compared to who knows what's in there, man. <laughs> it's like, we, 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 they spotted a whale over here in the Hudson, too, like a, like a year or two back. Did you guys see really? that? Really? Like no. Or something like that in the Hudson. Wow. Was like 60, 70 feet long. It was crazy. That's wow. nuts. In the Hudson. So you see the, all the little cruise liners, all the, um, the I forgot what they're called, the ones by the Intrepid and all that stuff, the, the tour guides one. So they're sitting there mm-hmm. passing this big whale, man. And it's just crazy. I'm like, oh, couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. Four things. Insane. What, what I do want to do, though, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I want to do, I want to try gator hunting. Oh, okay. that's what I wanted. That's on my bucket list. I'm ready to go to Louisiana, go to New Orleans, and do that, man. I watch Swamp People all the time. That's like one of my favorite shows. <laughs> I, love that I know nice. some folks because I mean, where I'm from is about an hour and a half from New Orleans. Yeah. I know some folks that do that. Hmm. Oh yeah, I would. I would love to try it. 
just the fact that you have to hit the hit the gator that nickel size spot, right? Like, mm-hmm. I would be so scared to get it in the boat. That's the thing, right? How do you know it's dead and that thing start moving on you? Oof. I don't know if I can hang with you, man. My God. <laughs> You're going down a route. I don't know if I can follow. That sounds <laughs> potentially terrifying. Is what that sounds like to me. It is, man. I, I, that's why I want to try it. Just to say I did it just one time. Mm. <laughs> Dig it. Indeed. So looking at time, I believe we are at our Tell Me Something Good segment. Tell me something Tell me something good. Tell me something good. Okay. (laughs) We do. That that is our theme song. We have a modified version of it. Yes. There you go. It's great. Yes. So, do you want to kick us off? What is your uh, otaku recommendation for our listeners this week? Yeah. So, there's actually a good book that I was actually just get put on by um, Solomon Choice, uh, CEO of 16 Handles. Shout out to him. He just sent me a book called Can't Hurt Me, which is Master Your Mind and Defy Your Odds. It's by David. name of this dude david goggins so he's like a a a navy seals guy he basically shows you how to tap into your full potential and he says like how people only use 40 percent of their capabilities and how to stay self-motivated and really just how did he get through that the navy seals training as you guys know that's the elite of the elite and they push the body to certain limits right so he basically shows you how you can master your mind and push it to levels that you wouldn't have expected so i think that's really really cool yeah, I, I saw that speech that he gave, a very, very uh, inspiring speech that he gave about his his background and where he came from and yeah. how he struggled growing up and, and uh, finally found a way to sort of overcome his, his self in uh, the SEALs. That's, that sounds just incredible to me. It's incredible, man. Like, I, I, I see, I know, I know people who've done that. Like, I've known people who are in the sales. Actually, one of my, one of my cousins, uh, one of my best cousins, actually, he's in the sales. But, like, that's my thing. I would love to try to see where, where is my capacity, right? Where, where would I level off at? Would I be able to even get through the basic week training, right? Mm. We are, we're our biggest enemies when it comes to stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mentally, we'll defeat ourselves. Indeed, indeed. Well, I will go ahead and answer the question for me. No, I would not survive. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, would, I would be ringing that bell in the first 30 minutes. Trust me. I that. would cry and be discharged very That's fast. Right. That's right. I'm a to- total wimp, even though I work out all the time. How about you, uh, Jesse? What's your recommendation for the week? So this week, uh, I'm finally jumping off of my October Halloween spooky train. Um, oh, it's sad, uh, spooky for life. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and I was kind of thinking about uh, kind of going back to a direction that I was going in when we first started this show, and kind of going back to my my roots as a an art major hmm. back uh, hmm. in my college days. And one of those things, like we talked about in Kevin's episode, I was a photography minor, and through that, I found several photographers that I really follow and kind of was inspired by their style. And there's one in particular that I really enjoy named Keith Carter. And he actually has a documentary called the photographer series, Keith Carter, uh, by what is it? Anthropy arts. Uh, it's a fantastic documentary. It talks about his life, talks about, you know, things outside of photography that inspire him and basically goes into the kind of like how this podcast goes into what makes up the people that we, we respect and know in our industry in general mm-hmm. circle and talks about what kind of makes him him and what inspires his direction. Cause he's very much a, a almost it's not photojournalism it's, but it's more abstract than that, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily full abstract, but mm-hmm. it's, there's definitely a level of ambiguity in, in his work. 
and it, he's just a awesome guy. He's from Beaumont, Texas, so he's just a he's one of those people that when you hear a good Southern boy, I would consider him a good Southern boy because he's not a dick, but he's also <laughs> kind of that like <laughs> humble, really just kind of sweet, well intentioned person. Um, so yeah, uh, that that would be my pick. Definitely check his stuff out. Um, he recently put out a book by the uh, University of Texas Press. Um, that's so it's published in Austin. So that kind of blew my mind after living here for a few years. Uh, nice. Do you kind of just forget how close your heroes are possibly? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one's my pick. Definitely check it out if you're into photography or just cool stories of cool human beings. Dig it. So what about you, Keith? I'm going to go back to my roots in the show and I'm going to recommend a comic book series to you. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think, uh, yeah, we're both going back to our roots today. I'm going to recommend uh, Superman Red Sun. Oh, my God. That was almost my pick this week. Oh, <laughs> no, oh, shit. It was, I, it's literally right here. I was looking at it earlier. I am so glad I beat you to the punch on this because this is such a it's good, so good story. It's by uh, Mark Miller, Dave Johnson and Killian Plunkett. Um, and it is the story of what would have happened had superman's little spacecraft landed in the ukraine instead of kansas and um at the time if he had landed when stalin was in office (laughs) over in russia so it is a really really interesting what if scenario for our our all american hero superman what if he's not an all american hero what if he's an all russian hero uh, so, or Soviet, actually. So it was in mm-hmm. Ukraine. So what if he's an all Soviet uh, hero? So, very interesting story. Uh, highly recommend this. It is available in most comic book stores and on Amazon. It, correct me if I'm wrong. He's actually raised by Stalin in the the book he is he He is basically he becomes uh he's the son of and uh the basically the right hand man of uh joseph stalin which is (laughs) so good terrifying terrifying so good and semi-topically relevant right now yeah right it is it is it is so hey great great recommendations fellows that was our tell me something good segment yeah i was i was gonna recommend one more thing man it's actually a movie um, okay, we'll give you a pass. Go the, for the, it. The Impossible <laughs> on Netflix. The Impossible. Yeah, so what that is is about a story about a family who was going to, to the Philippines when they had the big tsunami. Mm. It is such a good story, man. And it, as a parent, I was thinking about this too. It's like, damn, they're at the resort. Then the water just comes and wipes out the entire resort. And now they're like the whole movie, they're trying to find each other and what they did and the hospital trying to survive and all that good stuff, man. Like, what the hell would I do as a parent? Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know what I mean? I think about stuff like that. Like, it's so real, man. You have nah. to you watch that movie, man. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. And that was such an insane tsunami, too. I mean, like, of course, what we saw in, uh, after the um, uh, the tsunami that affected the Fukushima uh, reactor, of course, yeah. that was uh, obviously televised, a lot of video on that. But then I think the very first instance that we saw of that was when that tsunami hit Southeast Asia and ran th- right through uh, Phuket uh, and just drowned so many people. It's it such a terrifying thought. So terrifying. we'll have to terrifying. check that out for sure. It's a really good movie, man. Really good. Really, really well put together. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Awesome. Definitely so- worth the pass. <laughs> 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 Definitely worth a pat. So I am particularly interested in another element of your 
your personal life that motivates you and has obviously gotten you awards in the past. Uh, Your work as both a recording artist as well as a a rap lyricist uh, writing for other people as well. Tell us a little bit about that and and how you got started and, and where can our listeners hear you? Yeah, absolutely. So I started rapping when I was, what, 12, 13 years old. So there was two big things I was big into when I was young. So basketball was my main thing, right? I had awards. I was heavily recruited going out of eighth grade. I was averaging like 25 points a game. I was like top 10 citywide. So that that was one of my things. But then music, I was brought uh, introduced to my brother. So he was in high school. He's five years older than me. He'd come in after school every single day with his five, six friends, and they'll be on the karaoke machine. And I was the young brother that was like, can I, can I please, Mom? They won't let me play. <laughs> Mom, they won't. I want to rap. <laughs> and he would never let me, man. And then again, to a point where he finally did. And I was just like, man, they won't let me. They think I suck, man. I'm just going to keep writing. And then one day, man, they let me, they let me in. I'm like, I've got something for you guys. I, I spit a verse and they were like, yeah, just go record it. And then from there it was like, oh man, my brother thinks I'm good. And it was all for the races. I had two friends, um, Craig and Tyrone, who were my best friends, who also just started doing it. They were rapping together since they was in second grade. And they were mm. just one of those like, hey, Jared, you do it too, man. And let's create a group. And then we created a group called TNT um, for Doug and Thorough that started in my freshman year. And we've been, we've been really blessed, man. We used to be just going battling everybody in the Bronx and other boroughs. Uh, we were really good at that. Uh, we were almost signed at an early age, about 15 or 16. But mom was not signing off on anything. And thank God she didn't. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and, and just as we go old, you know, as we got older, you know, we're still in a group today. But, you know, family life, you know, different responsibilities, work life, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I have my own studio and stuff like that, but I just not, Right, I don't have the capacity to do it the mm. way I want to right now, you know, and yeah. that's the thing that really hurts because that's something I, I love to do. I've been putting so much time into it. But um, in terms of where you can find me, man, you go on YouTube for TNT. There's a bunch of videos up there. Got a couple of thousand views. You go to SoundCloud and also probably in the new year, you'll be able to find us all the DSPs like Tidal, um, you know, Tidal, Apple, all that Spotify, all that good stuff. What we had a problem was I had to get my business right. Mm-hmm. So me, I was just a rapper. I'm just like, yeah, I just got good music, good ideas. I never really thought about it from a business perspective. And now that I'm in business, it's like, whoa, we're not putting out this stuff. We're not going to be doing this. We, we need to <laughs> own our beats. We need to have some distribution. We need to think about a marketing plan, a social plan, and how are we going to get an audience and all those things. And my friends are like, I just want to rap. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? so I'm like, no, we're going to recalibrate. Let's do it over. And that's the only reason why it's not on DSPs right now. But it should definitely be up there before like Q1 of next year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I'm well. Of course, there's a couple of points from your story. I have to go back a little bit here. Yeah, you're, t- you're telling me in basketball you were in the top ten in the Bronx. Yeah, absolutely, man. <sighs> okay, that's that's pretty impressive. But the to the recording business side of things as well. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting time that we live in right now because I, I'd probably say back in the '80s, maybe in, up into the mid. Uh, 2000s, people would be signed, right? They would be signed to a record label. That record label would handle all of the business side of things. But now we're in a period of time in which there's so many independent artists out there that are basically having to not only write and record their wonderful music and and material, but they're also having to figure out distribution channels, social media channels, and all these other things. Um, And uh, I'd, I'd be curious to know what sort of work needs to go into the business side of, of being a music recording artist. 
Yeah, 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 that's a great question, man. I think you hit the nail on the head, all right? So back in the day, you'd go to a label for really for distribution, right? So you'd have, you know, your writing credits, all that good stuff, but they would help you with the distribution and the marketing, making sure it's in the stores. They'd help you with the promo, the events, street teams, all that good stuff. But now with social media right now, you don't really necessarily need that, right? So that's what I think what you're seeing is an influx of people just saying, hey, I'm going to take the long route or, or go to long-term strategy and I'm going to just build my audience. And I think for any artist that's listening right now, that's the main goal, right? You build your audience. Make sure you have an audience of, you know, 10, 15,000 people, 20,000, whatever it is, right? That are loyal to your brand and know what the hell they want. Hmm. Engage with them, you know? Hey, how did you like this song? How did you like this track? Come up with quizzes, surveys, keep them actively engaged, right? Those are going to be the people who are going to buy your t-shirts, your merchandise, your hats, your songs, right? All these type of things. So social right now is so pivotal. And as far as the business side, all you have to do is make sure that you're one, you have your copyrights, you're, you know, you have your distribution, um, your publishing, right? Um, that could be from ASCAP or um, what's the other one, BMI or some of the other ones, right? And then distribution, you go to a platform like a distro kit. So mm -hmm. basically that you pay them a flat fee and they make sure uh, either it could be Burr release or Burr album or whatever. And they put you on Spotify's titles. They put you in national markets, international markets, so on and so forth. And they also collect the money that you're supposed to be earning from your streaming. Mm. So really, if you if you have that, if you have those three components, you're, you're publishing and you have your distribution, which would be DistroKid or some of the other sites like TuneCore. Um, mm -hmm. That's all you really need at this day and age. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, early you know, in the music career, obviously, album sales were the big driver in That's success it. but now it's it's streams right it streams and plays on youtube yep. that a certain amount of those add up to an album sale yep. and uh it's probably not a one-to-one -one, uh ratio i imagine it's 1300 1300 plays equals one song i believe whoa it's like one That's album sale. yeah so it's crazy right so i have to have 1300 people come and listen to a song for a, first, a certain period of time in order for it to be one stream mm. and which goes back to what is the value of a stream Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like who mm -hmm. set up these parameters? And I don't know if you guys follow like the Joe Buttons of the world and those type of people who are like, how do I get paid off my podcast? How do I do this? And, yeah. right? and mm -hmm. those are great questions because yeah. who created this, this, this model as we see it today. And it could be, it can be hacked. It can basically Absolutely. be manipulated in, in, in a way to favor people who probably aren't that talented uh, compared to someone who's probably a lot more talented, but just doesn't have the listener base that 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 person has. It's, a, it. it's a little unfair, I would say. I almost yearn for the days of the of the record label. Uh, it's an interesting testament to how the music business did not handle general downloading and streaming well, because exactly. after the whole Napster debacle, yes. that jazz. Yeah then record deals went from being decently fair minus publishing, which most artists by the late nineties were starting to work out publishing deals. Cause they got smart because of people like the Eagles who got screwed over and had to deal with that. Exactly. exactly. Then it turns into, well, you're going to make all the money off of ticket sales and merch. Then mid two thousands comes into play and then the record labels start taking that too. Yeah. So there's a really interesting documentary by the band um, 30 Seconds to Mars. I think it's called This Is War. I can't remember. It's when they're making that album. And it just side note, Jared Leto is a terrible human being. And his, <laughs> his band has really gone off the rails with their first two albums are really good. Anyway, uh, it documents their entire how they got screwed over by a multi-platinum album didn't make a dime off of it and how they mm. had to just stay in a legal battle 
to stay alive. And that is why distribution deal is the way to go now. It's not the record deal. It's the distribution deal. Yeah. So stuff like DistroKid now has really changed that for independent artists. So it's awesome. That's so scary, though. I mean, imagine being a household name and then still have this type of money and still being a regular person, man. Like, that's that's the the biggest part. How do you go to that that regular lifestyle? But then, you know, I'm seeing on TV, how do you go into the grocery store in your neighborhood? You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, damn, I just saw you at at the award show right. yesterday and you're getting milk. What's up with that, man? <laughs> or, or, or worse, yes, worse yet, you're a, uh, you're a stock boy at that. How do you right. get a regular job after that? Right. So right. I would love to know for those type of people who, who may have gotten screwed over in those like publishing deals or the early record deals, right? How the hell are you monetizing today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you utilizing your brand still to, to, you know, make merch and all this other stuff? How do you get some, you know, traction back on your brand, right? You don't want to be the stock boy. It's publishing. Yeah. It's a hundred percent getting publishing. One of my favorite bands in the world broke away about five, five to 10 years ago from their, their record label, mm-hmm. got all their publishing back. And I know a couple of indies that have recently done that as well, just mm-hmm. to get ahead of it. So then they own all of that. So once they start seeing that things are going to start moving, they have their publishing. They put that under their own record label yeah. and use another record label for distribution as a partnership. Hmm. So then they're making the majority of the money and using yeah. the record label for the upfront costs. Exactly. Exactly. Own your masters. Own mm-hmm. your masters, people. Hundred <laughs> percent. See what happened to the Beatles. Michael came in and scoop, scooped it up. You ever heard oh, that story? Oh my God, that's so messed up. Him and yeah. Paul were such good friends too, that and so then he crazy. screwed them over. But Have you, you? You heard the story though? How he did it? Mm-hmm. Have you oh. watched the video for "Say Say Say"? No, I have not. So. Go watch that out. Goofy okay. song from the 80s. Paul mm-hmm. McCartney, uh, Michael Jackson. They kind of do a back and forth. It's a good song, but it's goofy as hell. Um, <laughs> on the set of that video is when Paul told him the way to make money is is publishing. Yeah. And Michael said, I'm going to own a Beatles song one day. And he laughed it off. And then Michael went and bought a ton of Beatles songs. Crazy. Wow. I think he bought Revolver. No, yeah. he, he brought the whole catalog. He said, yeah. you know, Paul said, you know, what he was like, how much would it be for my for my catalog? And Paul was like, hey, you know, 30, 40 million. Mike Winston goes back to his trailer, calls up his business partners, and then ends up paying 65 million for it. Oh. And then he comes back the next day on set and tells Paul, and Paul's livid. He's like, how the hell can you do this? He's like, I threw in an extra five million. I thought that was reasonable. Like <laughs> 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 it was like such a boss move. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like you have to respect that, man. Like you should have told the man the price. It's not for sale. I think Paul just got them back within the last few years. Hmm. And so that was the mid 80s, I believe. I think Say 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 was 83-ish. No, you're not. I could be wrong. But I mean, like within the last few years, he just got publishing back. That's so nice. And Michael Jackson's been dead for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. He owned half a Sony, man. He had... That's Beatles, true. he had oh man, that catalog was worth I think right now it's worth two point two billion. That's so nuts, man. 2.2 oh, billion. Sony owns so much. There's so many indie metal labels that they are a part of. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you just and you saw they just bought Crunchyroll, right? Oh yeah, I did wow. see that. It's and, nuts. And they still don't have my PlayStation. It's, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> any of the listeners, please hit me up on the chat if you know where to get a PS5. They're like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle all the way. I've been everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a deep cut. Oh, my God. What a deep cut. Oh, that's so good. You've got to find your Turbo Man. 
<laughs> Sony PlayStation 5, not a sponsor yet. Not Will a sponsor be. yet. Oh, so that's funny. <laughs> I, I realized earlier, I was like, oh, what's my pick going to be this week? And it's like, I think I might actually pick a wine that I've been recommending to people. And it's like, we need to bring back the not a sponsor yet bit. Yeah, it's we haven't done while. that in a while. Yeah, we haven't yeah. picked a brand in a long time. We haven't. We, we when we got uh, crickets after saying uh, Crunchyroll so many times, we stopped uh, doing it. So you know, sure, Crunchyroll yeah, promote Crunchyroll. That's right. Crunchyroll is apparently not listening to this podcast. Right? So surprising. <laughs> they are not no. one of the average thirty-five people that listen to this podcast. Thirty. 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 Yeah. You should have just gone with thirty-five. I should have I should have left it, but my pride, you know, I I really want to get the authentic thirty five, not the, you know, the thirty minus the five that are our podcast platforms. You know, got to be honest with yourself. You got to set your That's goals fair. properly, right? That's, That's true. Man. That's so true. We're, we're up from the fourteen <laughs> that uh that we started out with. It's true. It is true. Oh. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's 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 a long road to hoe. It truly is. <laughs> I, I think. I think the bigger play, like even the on the on show engagement, the live engagement is obviously good, and you know you're, you're tuned in listeners. But it's the afterwards, it's the clips and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That's where you really get the the bigger bang. Like nobody watches our podcast. It's like the same thing, thirty to thirty five live if we're lucky. But yep. then I get so many emails and DMs afterwards when I put a clip up on LinkedIn that it's like, oh, I actually went back and saw it and did this and all that. I'm like, oh damn it, I would love for you to come at one thirty and ask a question. Mm -hmm. i would love it that's brilliant we might start doing like joe rogan clips you have to it's true oh i got a good guy on fiverr does it really cheap really good (laughs) the key is to say the key is to say something controversial in that one spot and then you can just you know use that one clip and everybody has to tune in and in order to hear you go just kidding right (laughs) (laughs) i should i should start like since you know, uh, I, I'm usually up early in the morning on Fridays, listening to or watching the uh, the Mandalorian episode of the week. Uh, I should like start really irritating people by giving spoilers out during this episode. Oh, I'll kill you! I haven't watched season two yet. <laughs> the, this show will come to an end with me at least very quickly. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. It's your host, just Keith. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we. I will very clearly state what happened there. There's our, there's our controversy. Yeah, Jesse <laughs> killed Keith. Oh yeah, I know where you live, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you live. Oh, man. So, speaking speaking oh, of podcasts, yeah, you've got the video uh, that that you do on a weekly basis. Now you've been doing that for a few months now, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, we started back in March. So it was the, the 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 pandemic hit. So we had all this uh, perfect equipment. I think Mike must have spent close to over a thousand bucks on all this equipment. We've got mics. We've got the Rodecaster, the Rodecaster Pro, Ooh. and then that thing happened. So yeah. we're like, all right, let's, what can we do? And then we end up using Crowdcast to host it, which is kind of similar to this. And then, you know, they register for it. It's not the best platform, but it works for now until we get LinkedIn Live. But, you know, we've been, we've had some great guests, man. And then this showed me how, how motivated I am to, to do the podcast, man. I do a majority of everything, man. I do the outreach, mm-hmm. I do the questioning, I do the, the outlines and all that good stuff, man. I help marketing come up with the creative assets and this shit is time consuming. Yeah, (laughs) it's great though, man. Because like, I think the best part of it is me learning from other people like yourselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I spoke to the CEO of Sixteen Handles. I was telling Jesse before we started. I he he, off that conversation we had on the podcast. He hit me up afterwards, and he's willing to invest time to mentor me. Mm -hmm. So like things like that. Like, and he's a venture capitalist. He's somebody who has forty, fifty chains 
of a national brand, international brand, right, that I could learn from. Right. Mm. That's something I would have never gotten if I would just hit him with the, hey, brother, I do SEO. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It would have never happened. It was just like yeah. I didn't make the acts. I was just being a real person. Man. And, and that's the stuff that I love. Having those relationships is the biggest, the biggest driver, what keeps me motivated to do it. So I've, I've had you guys on. I would, Keith, I have to get you on. That's coming. It's coming. I have to get you on. <laughs> I, I've had um, advanced auto parts. I've had. Ooh. Um, who else, man? We've had HFC, which is a big brand. We've had the Siri Social, the head of Amazon Social Series, Ken Gibbs. I've got Rap Snack CEO coming on. We got the Big Twelve Sports Marketing Team coming on the week after next. Nice. And you had a segment not too long ago with uh, actual performing artists who are also marketers. Yes. Uh, and that that was a fun episode talking to people about like their, you know, I mean, it's basically what our podcast is which is talking oh. about their side passions uh that these people are involved in so that was that was a really fun episode to listen to yes yeah shout out to uh jonathan and gaetano from next tiva man good dudes love those dudes mm. <laughs> and you've actually got another recording artist right there uh, at ipul rank as well so um, yeah we've got a few man we got mike and nefakar nefakar actually just dropped the album on spotify um, damn i wish i had the link ready i could have put it in the chat oh but... it's all right you can send it later yeah all right, totally cool, cool. Yeah, that's really good, though. She's an excellent singer, man. And I'm trying to get Mike, me and him are trying to get the bandwidth to come out with a project. <laughs> man, I, I could barely get on a call with him, man. It's hard. <laughs> it's interesting that they're su such, um, I mean, obviously such really good quality people in this industry uh, also have these wonderful side passions as well. Yeah, uh, and That's really what we're trying to expose here in this podcast is that you don't have to be 24 seven. You can be, you can be uh, a great SEO or digital marketer and be a, a recording artist or, you know, be a complete total Star Wars nerd. <laughs> and I love the concept behind it. I, I put that on my bio on LinkedIn, man. I'm more than a sales quota. Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. That's my tagline. Totally. I'm more than a quota, man. I'm more than a 200, the 300, 400,000, whatever the hell it is. You know what I mean? I'm more than that. And I used to hate that. And that's one thing I give to a shout out to Mike, man. Like the playing the game aspect, right? When I first came in there, I was like, Mike, I'm tired of these goddamn quotas. I'm tired of not mm -hmm. being myself, man. Yeah. I, I, I have ideas. I have things I want to execute, man. Just let me know what's up. I'm just tired of being in this one box and of just sales. You know, I bring in this amount of money and then it's like, all right, FOF Jack, what are you doing for me tomorrow? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you get tired of that, man. At 22, it's like, yeah, I got the energy. At 32, man, it's like, uh. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, that is why I moved in house because I got tired of managing client relationships oh, and shit. Mm -hmm. so. uh, yeah, I can imagine, man. Mm. Yeah, and, and and yet you are a you know by all measures a successful account executive. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. It's been a long way, but I I took a lot of losses to get here. Mm -hmm. A lot mm -hmm. of losses to get there, man. So like my first job um, in sales, like I was killing, I was crushing it. Uh, I was the top performer for eight straight quarters. Then I was like, oh man, I'm shit. And let me let me move over to different things because the CEO didn't know me, wouldn't say good morning to me. And I'm like, I'm keeping Ooh, the lights on, wow. brother. Like, you walk, you have to walk <laughs> past my desk to go to yours. Like just say good morning, man. I got my coffee. I get you one. What's up? <laughs> I mean, right. Nothing. We wouldn't even have a call, man. That he called my. He called when I quit, when I ended my papers in two weeks, man, he called my mom's house. I was actually recording at the time doing music and he spoke to my mom. He was trying to get me back in. And, and I was just like, man, it's not you. It's me. I've got to go. I went to Can Lines and then I ended up failing there, which was crazy. Which <laughs> 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 was crazy. And then bounced around a few different places. But it's so many different variables with that sales stuff. And it's really about your team and your support, man. Totally. So, uh, it is. It really is. So yeah. we've talked about... Um, 
the PS5 a little bit and a little bit yep. about the Nintendo Switch. So before we uh, we get to our, our lightning round, because I know you're a little bit of a, a gamer, just kind of wanted to talk to you about that. Other than your now constant quest for a PS5, what, uh, what are you playing? <laughs> so my favorite is, uh, you know, back to the basketball, NBA 2K. So mm-hmm. I love 2K21. Uh, last year, I was almost made it to the professional league. Now I was two games away. Wow. Two games away. So you, for those who aren't familiar, you have to create your player and then you go through these, you have your own five and you play against other fives and other teams and things like that. And you have to have a certain record, a win percentage, you know, to make it to the next round, made it to the next round. And then you have to play with these random people to show your real true skill. And they just put you in random positions. And I was short by two games. Mm, that's crazy. Everything, man. But it was crazy. If I would have won that, I wouldn't have been able to work at IPR. I would have had to go and <laughs> Phoenix or whatever team drafted me it would have been crazy. That's nuts, wow. Man. Yeah. See, my first job uh, as an SEO was built by a guy that was at one point a professional gamer. I think he was. Oh God, it wasn't Call of Duty. Uh, it was something else. I no, can't no, remember what it was. Legend game. Um, the League of. League oh of no, League not that. Of... Not that. Um, um yeah, it was an old PS2 game. Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, um. And it got to the point where then he moved on to like Gears of War and got really close to being professional, but then realized that it wasn't a sustainable career. So he started yeah. seeing how um, different games um, pivoted in popularity, which meant that he his game would eventually not be pro anymore, which yeah. I think Gears of War has kind of moved out of that territory. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. he was like, oh, I'm going to go into something more stable. I'm going to build a digital marketing company. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, I didn't know that you had that near pro gamer side of you. Yeah, man. I mean, and besides those games, man, I, I love GTAs. I love the Call of Duty, the Warzone. Um, I'm just like one of those realistic gamers. Like I, I, I would love to get into like a Final Fantasy, but my imagination is not there unless I have a few beers or something like that. Like, I love the GTA stuff, but I have to be on a few beers to get like Final Fantasy stuff. But. So you have a suspension of disbelief sort of thing going on. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Maybe relatable. more than Keith does. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> relatable. Yeah, to keep in mind, mine is mostly just the supernatural stuff that I have a hard time uh, suspending disbelief on. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, with that, gentlemen, looking at the uh, the clock, I believe we are at the lightning round. Lightning round. Lightning round. He's gonna put in some editing work this week. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, awesome! Well, this is our weekly segment in which we talk to each of our guests about three different questions, uh, and we're just gonna basically see. Uh, how everybody responds to this. They're the same questions across the board. And uh, like I said, uh, we said earlier, maybe we'll put together a compilation episode and talk about this and actually take the questions ourselves. So we'll get started with the questions. Jarrett, Let's do it. how do you think your hobbies have contributed to your success in your full-time work? I think music helped me uh, in terms of brand building right because it's like music music is the same thing right if i have a song i have to get it into the right audience i have to get more views i have to get more visibility on it and i have to know good content right so that's kind of similar to what it is in sales and how that translate is like hey what i'm doing now for those who aren't familiar like I, i'm on linkedin heavy right so what i do is i haven't sent a cold call out all year i'll tell you that right now i barely mm-hmm. send cold emails most of the business comes through me because i create the content mm-hmm. and how i use that is just like all right how do I create demand for my product? And my product is myself, right? Because if I break the sales barrier down, if you like me, man, chances are you're going to say, hey, man, when, when the time's right, you're going to ask for, you know, 
you're gonna keep totally. your ass out of mine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't make the ask. I just try to build the relationships and thank God it's been working on in the short term, but because it was a big gamble. <laughs> I don't know how to, to say that to Mike. Like, I didn't make no cold calls, man. I didn't hit quota. But if it was, <laughs> I've got the punch. <laughs> you know what I'm but um, that that's really what helped me, man. I, I think the music, just being creative, right? Trying to do something that other people aren't doing in terms of the sales, sales regard and, um, and just scale it from there, man. So mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Creativity, you know, staying focused and trying to do something that, you know, separate myself from the other millions of salespeople out there. Mm, mm. And the fishing keeps you sane as well. Fishing right? keeps me sane, brother. Fishing <laughs> keeps me sane and, and keep me grounded, man. Between this, this, I don't turn off my computer about seven, eight o'clock at night every day, man. I'll tell mm. you that right now. Right. So, yeah. And it just happens to be like that because I'm on LinkedIn and, hey, do you want to talk at 6 30? I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's my mind, it's me time, but okay. And I just do it, man. And it's always been working out. And the fishing just to get some break away from the kids, the yeah. family, everything. Just you know, disconnect. Yeah. Disconnect. Awesome. You, need, you need that, man. We all do. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. If you could be one fictional character, who would it be? This one, I went, when I sent it, I'm like, damn, that's a great question. <laughs> who, would, who would I be, man? I don't want to give you the norm. I would say off the top of my head, <sighs> I would say Hulk. Ooh. I would say Hulk, man, because I feel like I'm I'm really Bruce Banner. I'm a Gemini. Okay. Uh, I'm right. the coolest guy in the world, right? But just don't uh-huh. pick me off. Don't disrespect because I feel like I'm a super <laughs> nice guy. I don't feel like I'm like when I feel getting like picked on or, you know, getting shitted on or something like that. I just like I, I lose it. I turn it to the green guy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so it, it's interesting that you chose the, the Hulk portion of that personality uh, rather than the Bruce Banner person. I was thinking personality. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome though. And not only are you the personality, but you're the you're the body behind it that can actually do something about the thing that's pissing you off. <laughs> exactly. I, won't, I wish I could get brolic and do, oh, but I can't. I did my way of doing it, just keeping it real, man. Just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Puny gods. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that was totally. so good. Oh, that part was so good. <laughs> All right. Third question and final question: What other interests would you like to pursue if time wasn't a constraint? If time wasn't a constraint, I would love to be a prof- the professional gamer, man. Mm. If I had the time, I would just love to see how I stack up against other people in the world. I would just love that, man. But I really, I don't have the time to do anything, man. If I turn on my PlayStation, man, I, I'll go to YouTube now. Nobody's on 2K and stuff like that. So I would love to do that. Um, and I would love to learn Fortnite, too. My son is a big player now. He's trying to be a national, international player in a few tournaments. I just can't get with it. I don't. Mm. I'm like, what the hell? You're fighting somebody, then you're building some things. And what, what's going on here? Like, I, I've got to keep up with it, man. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, <laughs> that game's these, crazy. It these is, kids. Man. These darn kids. Damn kids. <laughs> these darn kids. I'm gonna got away with it too if it wasn't for these damn kids. <laughs> awesome. Great great answers to the questions. And that was our lightning round. So we have a couple of minutes right before I hit end, but you know, wanted to thank you uh for coming on the show. But something you just said just made me think of something that I've been meaning to bring up for a long time. Me and my wife have been joking about this. You said I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those damn kids. Wouldn't Scooby-Doo have been better if it had profanity? Like, think about it. Oh my God. Oh, those fucking kids. Like, yeah. Would have been the greatest show in the world. Why so, couldn't they do a remake of them all? Like a, right. they have the adult ones, but it's like, all right, it's still kind of cheesy a little yeah, bit. Like, totally, totally. Have oh. an adult swim version. If yeah, if you came up with an adult swim version of Scooby Doo, I would be all over that. Oh, so, it, it, 
and we could finally see Shaggy like smoking the weed that we know he smokes. <laughs> you know he does it. Come on. <laughs> you know he's a heavy man. I love that. <laughs> My boy Shag. I mean, he wouldn't have nearly that many munchies if he if he wasn't right, on weed. So. Right. So with that, I just wanted to leave that final thought for uh, the listeners out there. But again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. No, Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. It's an honor. It's a pleasure, man. You guys are great dudes, man. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to meet you. And you know, once the COVID stuff is over, man, you know, when I'm in Austin or you guys are in New York City, I got beers, food, whatever you guys want, man. I'll take you <laughs> totally, out man. You, man. All totally. over that. I would imagine once this is over and everything's safe, IBM will probably be shipping us to some sort of in-person function in New York again. So mm-hmm. we'll see. You tell me a restaurant, I'll be there, brother. Right, <laughs> man. <laughs> <Call> me, man. <laughs> awesome. This has been the Austin Otaku Podcast. To learn more about us and our show, to be a guest, or to subscribe to our show, go to www.austinotaku.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.